Welcome to Be More Super, the podcast. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. An action-packed podcast where we'll discuss all things entertainment. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe? Conventions, prop collecting, cosplay, interviews, reviews, and so much more. The show starts with host Brian Gardner right now. On this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, um, I'm so excited. When I started the show, um, what, seven months ago, there were two stars I wanted to get on. One was Jane Seymour, and the other one was Doug Jones. And uh, we've got Doug Jones. Welcome to the show, Doug. Oh, it is my absolute pleasure, and it is my, even my bigger pleasure to be coupled with Jane Seymour in the same sentence. I have been a fan of hers since 100 years ago. Oh, I grew oh. oh. Yeah, some, yeah. Some, somewhere in Time is one of my all-time favorite movies. That is my all-time favorite movie, yes. And I, and I actually, I finally met her at the AARP Movies for Grownups Awards uh, when Shape of Water was up for a bunch of awards. And, uh, and I, I, was, I, I, sat, I saw her, I, I dashed across the room. I was like, hi, Jane, I'm Doug Jones. I'm in Shape of Water, but I love you. I love you. Ah! Yeah, I made a fool of myself. Oh, she is so English, though, isn't it? Even though she's oh. lived in the States for so long. She's yeah. like proper Queen's English and very... Uh, proper gosh. Queen's English, yes. And her American accent is really good, too. And she, she did all those, all those TV movies and, and uh, Dr. Quinn. And, and I, I first saw her as a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader in a story that, that was an expose on them back in like the 80s, maybe. Yeah. And you know what? During the interview, um, I don't know if it was an exclusive, but she mentioned that her and Christopher Reeve were an item which I didn't realize. No, I never heard that. They actually, she said on the interview, it's going to be out there, that they fell <laughs> in love on the actual mo- movie. They, they, became love, they became lovers. Um, but oh. then they sort of split ways. And she even told a story about how she met Dana, Chris, Christopher Reeve's wife. Um, and, I, and I was thrown back. I, I didn't realize that I'm a massive Christopher Reeve fan. So, uh, yeah, I was just really, really amazed. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how are you keeping yourself busy and are you safe? Because with, you're located in L.A. at the mo- mo- moment. Is that anywhere near the fires that we're seeing all oh, over the news? Yeah, anywhere in California right now is somewhere close to a fire, unfortunately. Right. Uh, but no, here in LA, uh, um, we've been we've been fine. Uh, the sky is a bit a bit hazy and a bit orange at times, but uh, no, it's been and today's pretty clear. It's it's all right. We were fine. Oh, good, good. And how are you spend and how are you spend spending your time during the pandemic? Because I know a lot of stars have been very creative. You know, writing books, writing movies. Um, it's going to well, be great once this pandemic's gone because the world is going to be full of beautiful ideas of new um, art yeah it's true it's true um I, I i followed suit with all of that you just said i uh, wrote four chapters of a novel i've had in my head for years um i got a literary agent uh who is now like reviewing it and helping me you know, fashion it and um uh and this novel's loosely based on me from 20 years ago by the way it's a character that's kind of like a, a, a young actor guy who's doing creature work so We'll, we'll see how, how that turns out. Uh, I also, I, I've never been a binge watcher before. I have binge watched so much on Netflix, uh, <laughs> like series. <laughs> like, I mean, that, the number of hours of television I've watched now are, uh, uh, but I never have time for that. So it's been great. Uh, and also interviews like this. There's been, uh, the Zoom thing has opened up a whole new world of, uh, 
of speaking engagements and convention appearances that, that you can do from your home. Uh, so that's, I've, I've been busier than I thought I would be, honestly. That is good. And, and do you know what? Doing this interview, I was very worried about questions uh, because you have got so many interviews on you, you, YouTube. Literally, you <laughs> could spend the whole day doing Q&A because, you know, we, we, we know you as the creature guy that's been in near enough every movie out there. But the first thing, before we jump into Star Trek Discovery, I want to talk about my new favorite movie. So uh, the other night, it was two o'clock in the morning. My two-year-old wasn't sleeping. Um, I've been searching for this movie and I finally found it on YouTube. It is called My Name is Jerry. Oh, and, you found, oh, thank you for that. My favorite human I ever played. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and you know what? It's written, directed by Morgan Mead, who I've been, yes. chat who, who, who I've been chatting to as well, who I'm going to get onto the show. Uh, because oh, I, you know, I love the movie so much. I think everyone should see it. Um, so how did the part come about for you? Because apparently it was made for you. It was indeed. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Mead, who you mentioned was a film student out here in Los Angeles way back in when, when the Hellboy one was coming out in theaters, like to 2004. Um, he contacted my agent, wanted me to get in his, um, his short, his student short film, like thesis project for his uh, film school. I read it. I met him for a coffee date. We talked for three hours and that was, that sold me. I'm like, I want to be in not just this short film, but anything else you do. Yeah. I think you're brilliant. So uh, we did the short film. Uh, it was, it was wackadoodle fun. And then uh, he went, he went back uh, home to Indiana where I come from and he wrote this feature film. Uh, My name is Jerry sent me the script and said, I don't know if this is something you'd want to be in or not, but I wrote, wrote it for you, the lead character. So the title character of Jerry was a midlife uh, uh, was a, mid-age, middle-aged, midlife crisis happening uh, guy. And I, I'm, I am that and have done that. So I, I totally understood the character. And, and he, he wrote for me with my voice. And uh, it was really, really a, a treat. No one had ever done that before and wanted me to play a human and, and to be the title character, the, you know, but the main face on the DVD box cover, right? So <laughs> as a human, that, that was, a, that was diff different for me. Uh, and we got to film back in my home state of Indiana, where I come from. So it was, uh, it was an absolute joy. And, and I, I love, I love feel good, uh, happy ending movies. Uh, and, um, and this was, this was all that it was kind of romantic comedy, a little bit of like, uh, you know, unsure what's, what's my future. And, and the midlife crisis phenomenon is something that, you know, many have gone through many. It's a, it's a mystery to some, it's, it's a completely been there, done that for others. Um, and, but what, but I think a, a successful midlife crisis uh, uh, can, can, can be, can be really, really uh, uh, a good, happy uh, life event. It can be a good milestone where you get to the middle age and you can review what have I accomplished so far? What, what's next for me, you know, at, at this point? Um, and for me, it, in my real life, I, I thought like, oh, by the time I'm 40, I'm going to be, I'm going to have that huge mansion that overlooks the beach. I'm going to have, you know, the <laughs> butler who does, folds my clothes for me and says, sir, would you like this tie today? And, and, and then, of course, the driver's going to pull the Rolls Royce up. I, I was just sure of all this. And uh, that didn't happen. So, so then you, so you do have a bit of a crash, like, oh, it will never happen. Oh, but the successful midlife crisis puts you out at the other end of it thinking, you know what? Those things weren't important. I have what's important. I'm yeah. married to a wonderful woman. I have the best friends. I've got a family that is, that is dear to me. I, my faith in God is 
that's the best relationship I have on this earth. And so it's like, yeah, I got all that. And uh, so life is, life is good. And uh, so I actually, after 40 is when I reached, I had my most successful titles and, and my career took off more than I thought it would after 40. And uh, yeah, I'm 60 now. And so, uh, so the last 20 years have been fantastic. Uh, and, and I didn't, but I did it with a new perspective instead of letting, letting show business define me. I kind of let these other things define me that I just mentioned. Like, you know, I'm a brother, I'm a husband, I'm a, I'm a, a father figure to some, I'm an uncle. And, you know, those, those titles are much more important. Definitely. But that movie is such a journey. It's such a roller coaster, And I can relate to so much in that movie. And at the end, I was in tears, but Thank happy you. tears. And Hello. I've got to say, your performance in that movie, to say that you've done Abe Sapien and, and you've done loads of other amazing roles, to see you, as you said, without any you know, makeup on, <laughs> you're an amazing actor. You really are. Oh, you're you. ama- amazing. You need to get more lead roles in, in, in films, uh, just you. Um, so compared to the big budget movies that you've been in, how did Making Jerry compare? Yeah, no, uh, uh, I like independent films anyway. I've, I've done quite a few of them. And I've done quite a few big studio, big budget movies as well. And there's pros and cons to both, really. Uh, the, but, but the independent film is, uh, even though you're scraping money together and begging and borrowing and stealing locations and props and costumes from friends, uh, you know, um, it still comes with a freedom for the filmmaker. The, the writer, director, uh, and producers can, can artistically do whatever they want because there's no studio hanging over them going here's the decisions we are making for you that will this fits our demographic this fits our advertisers this fits our you know whatever none of that applies to an independent film so that that's the beauty and the freedom of it but of course the beauty and freedom of of a a big budget uh, studio film is they have lots of money and you can make a slick production and do and make choices that are expensive and crowd scenes and visual effects and things that you you may not have the budget for in an indie but you often see as well the independent movies have got a lot more heart and soul, I think, because everyone's got a lot, so. a lot more investment in it. And you obviously can see that in, 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 in Jerry. So um, uh, let's move on to Star Trek Discovery. There's uh, going to be released on the th- uh, 15th of October. We've been waiting for season three for quite a while. Uh, you mm-hmm. play uh, Commander Saru. And what a wonderful character it is. I've got a few fan questions um, very, very shortly. Um, oh, great. But, but how has COVID affected the show? Has, has it affected the show in any way in, in, in the way of release? Uh, uh, slightly, yeah. The release of, of season three has been pushed back a bit because post-production. We were done filming season three at the end of, uh, at the end of February. So just to, like 10 days before, before the lockdown started, we were done and everyone right. flew home and for, we filmed in Toronto. So we, we were done. Uh, I was back in LA and I was already on a hiatus, already on my break. And then, then COVID hit. So it was like, well, that was selfishly good timing. Uh, but, um, but post-production with like, you know, ADR voice looping and visual effects and musical sound scoring and all those things, um, had to be done. Like we have a super team of people on the show, uh, a bunch of very talented, creative people in post-production. And instead of being able to do it at a facility, at a studio lot, they had to do things at home off their own computer systems. But, but these guys are, you know, and, and gals are, are all set up with technology and they know how to do all that from home. Yeah. And even musicians doing, doing, doing one part at home. And then that, that goes 
all gets fed together. I, I don't know how they did it. It was, it was an amazing process, but, but we're able to finally release um, about, I think it's about, about a month later than we were planning to originally. Uh, so October 15th it is. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. And uh, here in the States anyway, um, season one, as a little, a little pandemic treat, uh, season one will be coming out on broadcast television on the CBS network um, starting September 24th on Thursday nights. Oh, wow. So I'm very excited that, that we, hopefully that'll broaden our audience. Um, and what, what we lost with the streaming services is the channel flipper, you know, the, yeah. the casual person who's flipping channels and lands on, oh, what Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> we, we lost that because you have to go looking for it either on uh, CBS All Access in the States yeah. or Netflix Worldwide. And so it's, uh, it, 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 you know, we lost the casual fan. We, we have the devoted fan for sure. And God bless all of you for that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the fan fan base is unbelievable, but I think that this new show has definitely attracted a lot of new fans. You know, yeah. maybe not the ones like from you know Will Will, Will Shatner days. They obviously are watching, but I think the younger generation that never saw the original, you know, your, your Nichelle Nichols and 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 Leonard Nimoy's and all, yeah. and all that cast. But uh, playing Saru, you had some great storylines. Um, which one was your favorite to, 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 to play out? Oh, well, here, here's the beauty of series television as an actor. Uh, I get to know my characters so much better this way. Uh, we got more, much more time, you know, yeah. um, um, now that I've completed three seasons, uh, you know, we've, and the writers can take and, and can unpeel the layers of the character and you can get down to backstories and feelings and, you know, hidden talents or hidden fears or all kinds of things. So um, my favorite, I think, part of, of Saru's journey so far was that liberation from the threat ganglia. Uh, when I was living in fear all the time. And in season two, I, I think it was around episode four, um, where he, was, he noticed that he was feeling ill and was going through that Vaharai that he'd heard about uh, on his home planet. And Vaharai was, he thought, um, the end of his life. That's, this is where you, you, your body starts transforming and you go crazy. So it's best to do a mercy killing and, uh, and be done with it. At least that's what the Kelpians, my, my race, were taught by the Ba'ul, the, the, the ruling uh, 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 race of, of, of alien on my planet. So with this predator species hanging over us and telling us, oh, you're, it's time to cull you. It's time to you know, take you to your merciful death. And we just went along with it. And now I'm by myself on a starship away from the planet. I'm the only Kelpian who's ever done this. And I'm going through this Vaharai thinking, oh, well, this is, this is what we've been taught is the end. I got through the Vaharai. My threat ganglia fell out naturally. And I now have no fear anymore. Like that innate fear of like looking over my shoulder, like you know, where's, the, where's the danger? Gone. And now I have a newfound sense of a new presence with myself. And you come to find out that Kelpians have hundreds more years of life uh, that we never knew about. So I did basically for how I. Oh, you've cut so now we could go on and become adult. That was just a very liberate. And I got to bring and to bring that message back to my home planet to say, Hey everybody, guess what? And yeah. liberate the entire planet and all my people. That was a glorious moment. Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to season three. Are we going to see more of Saru in season three? Are we going to see more oh, storylines? Yes. 
Oh gosh, more. Uh, <laughs> um, in fact, more than more than more than before. I think even I, I think I, I had more screen time in season three. I think even. Oh, that's amazing! I, I, I mean, memorize I, more dialogue. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the trailer looks absolutely awesome. So, what does a typical day look like for you on set? Because obviously, you, you you've got to get all the makeup. Um, I presume you get there hell of a, a lot her, er, earlier than the rest of the you know the cast. I mean, what does a day look like for you typically? Well, uh, you know, uh, uh, of course, my day starts a smidge before the other actors because the makeup process does take a bit longer to make me non-human. Um, but it's not as long as you might think. Um, that that right behind you there is, is you can see Saru sticking his head over, yep. <laughs> looking over my shoulder. Um, that looks very intricate and very detailed, and it is. Uh, but most of that work has been done beforehand. Uh, so, so I would say that makeup takes weeks to, to make. Uh, because it's at the sh at the creature shop in Los Angeles, they do the molding, the sculpting, the molding, then the 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 making of the pieces and the pre-painting of those pieces. Then that gets sent up to Toronto, where my makeup artist will do will do the attachments and, and application on to me. That process only takes about two hours. Normally, an hour. If you were building this from the ground up on an actor, it would take you know between four to eight hours. You know, depending on on how intricate. So so that. My two-hour makeup process is just a little bit more than than you know someone putting on a wig and, and some funny ears you know so it's not that bad, and then then we have about a twelve maybe like a twelve-hour shooting day, um, and then after that uh, my makeup removal is only about twenty minutes it, because it, it goes on in four different pieces that they have to blend the edges together and then kind of clean up around the eyes and, and get everything blended. Then I have contact lenses. I have gloves that go on really quickly. Those, my costume is just like, you know, a, a uniform like anyone else's. And then my boots are a little bit tricky with the, the high heel position with no heel under it. Um, but then at the end of the day, all that just peels off and then they slit my, 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 uh, my head up the back and just kind of peel it off this way and then use a little bit of removers. It all comes off in one big piece about 20 minutes falls right off so <laughs> I, I it's it's not too bad yeah hours to put it on minutes to take it off bless you do you, have, have you ever kept anything from star star trek at all well normally what they've been doing with these pieces once they come off they usually cut them up and put them in the trash so that nobody can like dig them out later and sell them on yeah. ebay um i i kept one <laughs> so i do have a complete uh saru headpiece that's uh it's on a life cast of me I mean, I mean, props and costumes from yeah. the shows have become no, so collectible now. It's unbelievable. I mean, no. the sponsor of my my show is Prop Store, and they're, and they're based in LA and based in London. And, um, you know, they've just sold a Harrison Ford jacket uh, re recently from um, uh, from Star Wars, and it went for something like $400,000. Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah. So... So yeah, keep hold of everything that you've got. <laughs> it's your retirement. Yeah, well, if I can, but right, I mean, with, with Star Trek Discovery uh, costumes and props, I think they all know the value of them. So we don't, I don't get to, mm -mm, the, the props are heavily guarded and have to go back into their right compartments and they're, they're, they're policed. Yeah. And, was, and was you a, a Star Trek fan before you took on the role of Saru? I would call myself one of those casual fans. Um, I was a channel flipper who landed. That's why I know so much about this channel flipping idea. Yeah. Uh, I was one of them. And whenever I landed on either uh, Next Generation, Voyager, Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, I would stop and go, oh, and I would just watch. Uh, yeah. Now, the, the original series, uh, 
was fascinating when I was uh, 1966 that came on on the air uh, I was watching that first run with my family I was about six years old then so six, seven, eight, uh, uh, I was like taking it in going, space travel, is it really possible? <laughs> yeah, I did all that, that thing that we all did the first time. Yeah. Right, we're going to move on to some fan questions. Um, so um, here we go with uh, James Benkey. Benkey, uh, do you think sometime in the future they will bring Discovery back to its original time with Spock and Captain Pike? Do I? Mm, I, I? That's a question for the writers and for uh, for the, the Alex Kurtzmans of the showrunners of the world and the Michelle Paradises. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, I think well, you know, they. Um, I think that you know, that's it was announced. You know, the Discovery started about ten years before the original series, and and now now of course at the end of season uh, two, we jump to the future. So season three takes place, you know, when we land 930 years beyond. Uh, so that's exciting. So, so we've kind of skipped all around the original series now. We yeah. were before it and now we're a long, long after it. So, uh, but, but if you remember season two, we borrowed Captain Pike from the Enterprise. Spock was a big storyline yeah. uh, pre-original series time. So then they were, they were such a popular hit that the fans were clamoring for a series that would just focus on Pike and Spock, right? And, uh, and number one, played by Rebecca uh, Remain. Yeah. So I think that that, from what I understand, I, and uh, I think it was announced that that's in the works. That's Yeah. But but the great, great thing now going forward is now you've gone into the future. Series, it's, it is it's in the com- works. So will that sit? Sorry, um, we're breaking up. Bless you. Um, yeah. So the, the great thing now is because obviously you've gone into the future, literally you don't have to follow any of the sort of, star trek sort of storylines in the past right. or follow any you know storylines right. you can start anew which is great well yeah right the, the writers don't have to adhere to previous canon they can now create canon from here forward yeah, yeah. um but that that pike and spock series might be the one that might lead you into the original the, the kirk storyline yeah. like, i don't know maybe I, I would hope they would because that that would give us all a geekgasm yeah so we're going on to Christopher um, Dilo Way. Uh, is there a monster or creature role that you would like to play that you haven't already or a director or filmmaker who would use his awesome talents to the fullest that he hasn't worked with yet? Mm. Oh, gosh. You know, um, and I have done so much now with my, my 35-year career um, that I... There, there, if you'd asked me this five years ago, I would tell you, yes, there's one, there's one makeup and, you know, creature that I haven't played that I would love to. I, uh, I've always wanted to play a, a classic vampire, you know, and uh, uh, never felt pretty enough to be, or sexy enough to be a Dracula, uh, certainly not a sparkly teenager, uh, you know, in the, that, that other franchise, but, <laughs> but I, um, but I, I, I always connected with and, and understood Nosferatu with his hideous, you know, uh, look, and uh, sure enough, I now have gotten to, I did get to play uh, Nos, uh, Count Orlock Nosferatu in a, a remake that, that is not out yet. So um, it's been, it's been a long process getting that, getting that out because it was on, done on an independent budget with a lot of technology involved. Um, so it's coming. So my, my, my one last dream roll bucket list checkoff has been done. Uh, so now at this point, I'm, I'm actually uh, looking to hopefully uh, 
you know, remove rubber and glue from my face and, and do, do more of those. My name is Jerry type movies. Do, do more. Yeah. I love, I I'm a big fan of the Hallmark channel. I, the feel good, <laughs> happy, low, every, you know, low stakes problems. The worst thing that happens in a Hallmark movie is like a little misunderstanding. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So I, uh, if I can, I'm, I'm at an age now where I can play the dad of a grown woman who's going through her relationship issues. And if I can just hold a, a mug of cocoa and wear a Christmas sweater and give her some great advice, that would be, that's my dream role that I would love to do from this point. Well, to be honest, you want, you want to have, have to go through hours of makeup and, and everything like that. So it would it make may. it a lot easier for you. So right. we've got a question here. It's quite a deep one from Tony Reynolds. Uh, how does acting within the, uh, the many amazing roles you've been part of affected your personal life and your own personal personality do you carry forward residual inflections into your own personality oh that's wow. great yeah it is great yeah. um fortunately for me um i'm the type of actor who is able to clock in and clock out at the end of the day i i don't drag home all of my roles with me and they don't become a part of me so much um, now, when I'm working, um, the two of us do have to intertwine. My character and me, we do we do know each other very well. We, we have intimate relationship, my characters and I. No matter, no matter if they're good or evil, I have to understand them and I have to love them and I have to sympathize with them, even if they're doing horrible, awful things. And I've done a lot of horrible, awful things on film. So, um, but, but like I said, at the end of the day, I have to remember, no, nope, I'm just Dougie. I'm... I'm 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 not uh, a creature A or B. I'm I'm Dougie, and I'm going to clock out and go home and be Dougie, uh, and rem remember those things. That, that's that that's been key to my sanity over the years too. Yeah. Um, you know, we we've heard lots of awful stories about other actors who who would spiral downward when they when they dove so far into, especially the dark characters, to find their way through through that that particular film or TV show. And um, and I think at the end of the day, I'd like to I'd like to keep my sanity and sleep at night. Yeah, it's a good choice. <laughs> Do you carry still a business card on you? Just, just, oh. just out of curiosity, because I heard a story of that. Literally, the thing that really changed your career was a business card. Do you still with carry Gear them with you? The one that I handed to Guillermo del Toro in 1997 that he still had in his wallet in 2003 when we were making uh, uh, the other uh, first Hellboy movie. Um, <clears throat> no, I, 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 I anymore. You know, we're in the digital age now, and I, I still. I still have the old ones uh, with with an old phone number on it and an, a, 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 and before email. <laughs> so it's not not one I would hand out. Yeah. Well, it could be a collector's piece, couldn't it? it? Could really, sure. you could sign it and you know sign it and, and them. sure. Yeah, exactly. So um, on to obviously comic cons and conventions because um, I was speaking to Derek Mackey from Cool Water Productions. Absolutely mm -hmm. lovely gen gen gentleman. And he said that you were absolutely amazing at conventions. You love giving the hugs. Uh, but unfortunately, now that's going to sadly going to change for the time being with the <clears> convention <throat> scene not going right. Um, so obviously you're doing virtual comic cons. Uh, you've done a few with in-house con with Derek, which um, I watched the Hellboy one with Sel Sel Selma Blair. Absolutely oh, okay. amazing. It's really, <laughs> really good. Yeah. Oh, she's lovely. Absolutely <laughs> lovely, lovely lady. And um, have you got any more planned coming up for anyone that might want to see you, you know, on online, being able to do a one-to-one, -one, being able to purchase autographs? 
Right. I, I think I think you caught me at the at the end of my current calendar. Um, I I don't have any, but but they come up fast and they and they're it's a fast turnaround on the virtual conventions. Right. Uh, okay. you know, like even this even this interview with you came up fast and we're doing it fast. So yeah. Uh, so so I, I looking ahead in the months ahead, uh, I'm sure there will be, but I haven't. I don't know about them yet. But uh, if anyone wants to grab a lovely autograph, they're on the Cool Water. Uh, productions um, websites um, yes. at the mo- 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 moment, so so then grab those. So, um, anything else planned for you? So, what's what's next for Dougie Jones? Uh, right. Um, well, I just finished a a feature film called The Knocking. Oh, and it would sounds... be I, I, and I'm the one doing the knocking. Okay. Oh. So again, it was one of those evil characters that I that I had to dive into. Um, and I did not want to bring this one home with me at all. He was he was really dark, uh, but uh, but I don't know have any idea when a release on that is going to be. But um, uh, uh, it was Defiant Pictures that that pulled pulled this together, and they have a great track record with um, with uh, the horror genre. Uh, and so it'll be it'll be a, a a good release whenever it does happen. But we just finished filming a couple a week ago. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's exciting. And then. You know, and uh, and whatever else is coming, I, I do have something else coming up that I have to travel for for the first time in six months. Uh, and but I, I I'm not allowed to speak about that just yet. <laughs> do you know what? Every single person oh, I've been. Oh, oh yes, oh, yes. One more, one more fun thing that I that I was just I just got a message today that I can talk about it. Okay. Um, I uh, I did. There is a, a a very popular YouTube channel called Bat in the Sun. You might be aware of this, right? Uh, they they do lots of DC comics uh, um, uh, short films, uh, and they they have a they have a, Kevin Porter plays Batman in in a lot of them. Right, okay. He's a friend of mine. He referred me to the to their uh, their filmmaker, um, and uh, and sure enough, uh, I got to be in the most recent Bat in the Sun uh, short film. It's called it's it's called Batman Dying is Easy. I think is it. Anyway, but it's going to be coming uh, onto their YouTube channel. Their YouTube channel has tens of millions of views, wow, uh, and, and millions of subscribers. So they're they're very popular. And these productions are extremely slick and very feature film looking. And <laughs> drum roll, uh, you're the first person I've been able to tell this to. So this is an exclusive so far. Yes, yes. I'm uh, but, uh, but I do a cameo in this in this next short film that uh, Batman is as the Riddler. Yes. So yes. very, very exciting and very fun for me. Oh, that's awesome because obviously it's quite a like a big circle because you was in Batman. Um, with Batman Michael, Return. Yeah, with Michael Keaton. So um, yes. and you got punched out by Michael Keaton, which you can say in your career, Batman. You know, and, and not, I also not, got yeah. I also got backhanded with an umbrella by Penguin, played by Danny DeVito. So I mean, I've I've been through it. Life goals, life goals there. So I'll make sure I put that YouTube link um, onto the video as well so everyone can check it out. When but that Doug, comes out, it's not out yet, but yeah. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out and I'll make sure to find out when it come, come, comes out. I'll make sure I'll put it on all social media for everyone thank to you. check out. Doug, thank you so much for your time. Um, I'll let you get back to your day uh, and, and God bless and um, hope all the best in the future and you stay safe. And you too. Thank you so much for having me and finding me a worthy subject for today. Thank you. You've been listening to Be More Super, the podcast. It was kind of-
kind of a crazy fun experience. I love the show, guys. You're awesome. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share with your super friends. My world, it means hope.